Hello and welcome to another podcast edition of Taiwan Talk, ICRT's weekly interview segment, bringing you conversations from and about Taiwan. I'm Keith Manconi. Biotech, you know, that industry that includes gene splicing, improvements to agriculture, many forms of medicine, it's being touted as a huge strength for Taiwan's economy. Of course, the biotech industry is already worth more than 20 billion U.S. dollars. And President Tsai Ing-wen has pledged to throw her administration's resources behind making it even stronger. But for those of us who don't have eight years of schooling in the sciences, when we hear that sort of news, the response, well, at least the response that I get is, oh, that's nice. Just, you know, I have no reference point. It sounds like a big deal, but honestly, I have no idea what it means in, you know, real-life terms. So to help me out and to help out some of the folks out there who I'm sure are as last as me, uh, today we're going to have on the show a guy who knows exactly what it means because he's very much in the thick of it all. George Ye is the president of Taiwan Liposome Company, a company that has carved out a very specific niche in the pharmaceutical industry and biotech industry here in Taiwan and is using that work to partner with companies around the world. I invited him into studio to give his insider take on the industry for us outsiders. Uh, George, thanks for being here. Yeah, thank you, Keith. So uh, your company is actually uh, working on some pretty interesting stuff, and you're, you're moving forward on uh, one uh, you know, drug trial in particular. But before we even get to any of that work, mm-hmm. let's just start with the really bonehead question uh, for all of us that you know, didn't show up to all of our biology classes on time. <laughs> what is biotech? How would we define this? Um, no, Keith, that's a great question. Uh, so basically, I think uh, for biotech is uh, really uh, specific in terms of how the drug uh, can be efficiently um, improve the therapeutic uh, efficacy or toxicity um, in your body. But I think in general, what uh, Taiwan is going through right now is what I uh, call is more as a life science type of uh, industry. Mm. That include what you have mentioned, into, including the pharmaceutical industry, including the biotech industry, and also including uh, agriculture and mm-hmm. uh, uh, fish farming and things like that. Because all of these are related to science. It's what uh, life science and uh, pretty much is what we interact uh, on a daily basis. It can be and uh, treatment for disease or prevention or what you eat and everything. So so I think uh, what Taiwan is uh, targeting at this time, which is very similar to the U.S. at the uh, very beginning, where they start out quite broad in terms mm-hmm. of the whole spectrum on um, um, what we call the life science, and then start to narrow it down into Pacific or start to divide into subgroup. Mm-hmm. And um, I think uh, what the uh, um, government's trying to do right now is try to build a critical mass first mm-hmm. and try to lump some the whole group first um, so we can get to a certain critical mass mm-hmm. and then subgroup it in the future. So uh, just for those of us who are trying to, I guess for me, the big question is what is the connection between all of these things? I mean, mm-hmm. for example, Taiwan mm-hmm. uh, is really renowned for its orchids and there's a lot of research on how to make really good orchids in Taiwan. Right. Is there a meaningful connection between that and the sort of uh, pharmaceutical work that you're doing? I think um, it, it is uh, Taiwan. I, I would say is kind of going through um, different phases. Mm-hmm. You know, um, the first phase because of the in, industrial um, industrialized and then industrial uh, revolution, it kind of brought us into the whole spectrum in terms of uh, doing uh, manufacturing. Okay, and we're I would say we're probably one of the best 
in world class. Okay, mm-hmm. um, but you know, um, but if you looking the whole trend right now, mm-hmm. it is uh, going through what what I would call more as a knowledge base uh, type of industry, and uh, I, I would consider. Um, Biotech or life science uh, industry are more close to these type of knowledge base mm-hmm. uh, type of industry. It is quite unfamiliar for Taiwan, uh, not only uh, from the financial perspective, from the talent perspective, from just in general how the way it, it is the business is being done. Mm-hmm. And um, I think Taiwan, in a way, it is going through that kind of uh, transformation um, mm-hmm. on its crossroad. Um, that's why I think um, using uh, biotech or using life science as one of the industry to making that transformation, I think mm-hmm. it's, it is uh, interesting and also it is uh, quite important for Taiwan to change from this uh, more capital, more manufacturer, uh, more uh, OEM type of industry transform into more knowledge base mm. uh, type of industry. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, so, so maybe it would be fair to say that the connection between uh, agriculture mm-hmm. and pharmaceuticals is just the the knowledge uh, behind those two things. You know, it's a similar kind yes. of training. Uh, you, you you need to study biology. You need to study high tech. I mean, uh, so if you foster that basic knowledge, uh, all of those industries benefit. Yes, yes, yeah, yes. I agree. I, I think you you brought up uh, uh, example on orchid part. I think mm-hmm. um, again that that part is also it's not. Um, it's not very um, how, how should I say it's not very expensive mm-hmm. to make these but to to make it you know uh, commercialize it mm-hmm. and to perfection this mm-hmm. it, uh, it takes a lot of um, knowledge mm-hmm. it's not like um, we're um, in the manufacturer you can really calculate this mm-hmm. so there's the risk profile is very different uh-huh. but once you hit that mark mm-hmm. and uh, the value creation become quite different. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, you know, I, I would say in the uh, manufacturer business, basically, uh, your sponsor will come in and say, "Okay, you know, you probably, you know, for this amount of work, you get, you know, twenty percent of the margin or th- uh, things like that." So the amount of risk you're taking mm-hmm. is very low, but um, for you know, um, no matter is orchid or drug. Um, Basically, there's a lot of unknown, uh, and um, so there's a lot of risk that yeah. you're you're taking. Either you know, growing the orchid or mm-hmm. making the drug. Of course, the drug is a different standard. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, once you hit that mark, or mm-hmm. once you um, kind of standardize, commercialize this, uh, the value proposition. I think we're talking about you know X. You know probably 3 to 10x mm-hmm. these type of margin instead of just you know 10 20 percent mm. uh, type of margin so so it's a different risk profile mm. and different type of development process mm. yeah so and I guess that another connection would just be your industry as well as uh, these other industries mm-hmm. you're talking about just have a really long R&D period there's yes. a long ramp up right all right well let's let's focus on uh, your work in particular. Mm-hmm. Uh, I did some reading before you got here, and I'm <laughs> yes. going to do my best to explain what it is you guys are working okay, on, and I'll sure. let you correct all the stuff that I get wrong. Sure. So let, let's see how I do. Okay. Okay. So uh, I, I I read that you guys have this uh, specific 
uh, technology that focuses on lipids, like mm-hmm. sort of like fat molecule kind of similar to fats. Mm-hmm. And the idea is that it encapsulates very small drugs, mm-hmm. uh, sort of this nanotechnology that encapsulates small drugs. Uh, and you can use that to help deliver those drugs to places that you need it or to release it uh, over a period of time mm-hmm. uh, to kind of slow down the release rate. Did I get that kind of right? Yes. Woo! You are amazing. You know? <laughs> I mean, you cannot say, I, I don't think I can say better than you do. You know? uh, this is, yeah, it's, 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 it's great. I do my homework. Yeah. I do my yeah, homework. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. So what, what, what would you add to that? Um, so, you know, um, to make it even more simpler, we're, mm-hmm. we're like the truck driver. Okay. Okay. I like simple. I like simple. Yeah. Simple is good. And uh, so if you are, you know, um, traditionally, you know, um, you go from Taipei to Taichung and then kind of mm-hmm. random, you know. Um, so that's what happened to a lot of these drugs. You inject it in and they run everywhere. Mm-hmm. And uh, probably less than 1% mm-hmm. will get to Taichung. Mm-hmm. Okay. And uh, basically, we're like that truck driver putting mm-hmm. the drug inside of the truck, and mm-hmm. then so it can be efficiently mm-hmm. delivered to the site mm-hmm. and then release it. Um, that's one part. Mm-hmm. Second part is uh, like what you have mentioned is in terms of um, because a lot of um, the treatment right now uh, because uh, it metabolizes quite fast. Uh, so basically, you have to inject it quite frequent. Mm-hmm. And with our system, we're able to sustain release that. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, let me give you an example, um, such as um, some of uh, the uh, treatment for ophthalmology right now, especially for age-related macular degeneration. Mm-hmm. So right now, you have to uh, pretty much direct inject it into the eyeball mm-hmm. once every month. That doesn't sound like fun. Yeah, it's not. It's not. And then imagine, you know, these patients um, are usually at their late 50. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, right now, you know, if you're looking at the lifespan, you're looking at about 300 to 400 injections, um, you know, throughout your life. Mm-hmm. Um, what our delivery system do, we're able to reduce that um, to um, to basically three to four months mm. per injection. So pretty much you can reduce from 12 injections a year to two injections mm. a year. So that really brings a benefit mm. to the patient and also even for the physician as mm-hmm. well. They don't have to you know, keep on injecting these mm. um, to the patient. And so, so basically it's just you're slowing down that release time. Right, right. So, so the, the, if you look at the image of it, it's, mm-hmm. it's kind of interesting. It's a little bit like um, onion. Mm. So you, there's layer oh, okay. of these uh, nanoparticles kind of mm-hmm. wrapping up the drug. And mm. so... As the drugs, uh, as the uh, layer of these onion or mm-hmm. these nail particles start to peel off, mm-hmm. the drug releasing in different layer. Mm. Yeah. Uh, okay. So, uh, kind of that—that's what facilitates that timed release. Yes. Now, another—I know that another uh, area of focus for you guys, uh, and you mentioned that a second ago, is uh, the targeting of the drugs as well. Yes. Uh, and that would be important, especially for like uh, cancer drugs. Yes. Yes. Um, so, for a lot of these uh, cancer patients, uh, because you inject uh, such as chemo drug uh, mm-hmm. that uh, a lot of patients use quite common. Um, you inject it and probably when it go through the bloodstream, probably less than 1% mm. will get to the target site. Mm-hmm. So that's why you see a lot of patients um, have 
pretty strong side effect, right. including you know throw off and then hair start to fall off, things like that. Well, because the drugs are toxic intentionally, exactly. they're supposed to be toxic, right? Exactly. But what what you need to do is really uh, to pack the right amount of drug. Mm-hmm. To get to the target, cell. right? Because rest of it just damage a lot mm-hmm. of these norm, normal cells. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's what TLC does: is um, we're able to uh, pack these drug in these nanoparticles, which mm-hmm. is about eighty to one hundred nanometer. So it can be efficiently delivered to the tumor site and then mm-hmm. release it. And um, a lot of people was like, "Wow, how do they deliver mm-hmm. to? Yeah, that how does place? it know where to go? Right? Okay, no." Um, so basically, uh, one of the uh, mechanism for uh, these type of uh, tumor cell or become the tumor is uh, grow up quite rapidly, and the blood vessel at the tumor site mm-hmm. are very leaky. Mm. Uh, they're not as uh, dense as the normal blood vessel, and these leaky usually um, have about. 400 to 500 nanometer type mm. of leak room. And then that allowed uh, our drug, which is 80 to 100 nanometer, able to penetrate and stay there um, mm. and then release it. Mm. Yeah. So so it's, it's like a lot of other uh, physical sciences or engineering where you're just kind of exploiting this one rule, this one mm-hmm. exception, and, and using that to get the thing done that you need yes. to get done. Yes, that's correct. All right, so that gives uh, our listeners just a little bit of a sense of uh, what it is that you're working on right now. Uh, and actually, okay, I guess we should hit on this real quick. Uh, you're moving forward with uh, one particular drug, mm. uh, just to give our listeners an example, TLC-599. Uh, and the idea here is that it, uh, in this case, I guess we should say you, you, you work with a lot of different drugs, yes. and you have to develop... Uh, for each individual drug, you need mm-hmm. to make sure that your system works with it. Right. That's In this correct. case, you're working with a steroid yes. uh, to treat osteoarthritis. Yes, that's correct. Um, so um, just a little bit background information on the OA patient. Um, so a lot of uh, OA patients kind of go through three steps different stages. Mm. Um, the first stage is when they start to feel a little bit pain and mm-hmm. uh, the the doctor will ask you to lose weight or, you know, maybe give you some pain medicine mm-hmm. to help you release the pain. That's the first stage. And uh, when you get to the second stage, uh, basically, you know, uh, the oral uh, type of uh, painkiller uh, mm-hmm. It's not enough. Um, so they start to get treated uh, e- either using steroid or use hydronic acid. Now, mm-hmm. for hydronic acid, it's mostly for, mostly for lubrication to help your joint to move a little bit. It's like lubrication helping mm-hmm. uh, smooth it out. Because, of course, arthritis is all about your joints are kind of breaking down a little right. bit. The cartilage isn't working the way it's supposed to. Right. That's correct. Um and then, of course, uh, on the third stage is, you know, uh, is really failing. And then basically you need to have the knee replacement. Mm. Okay. So what, what we're targeting is really on the second stage. Mm-hmm. Um, now, one of the challenge for these uh, second stage type of patient is um, for a lot of steroid, um, it can only last about two weeks type of duration. Mm-hmm. And uh, since a lot of these steroid, um, in order to let it lasts about two weeks. It's more as a crystallized type of formulation. Mm. And these crystallized uh, type of formulation really rubbing against the knee, that's where it creates a lot of these control tox. Mm. 
toxicity. Ah. And um, so the doctor actually um, do not recommend uh, more than uh, four injection per year. Mm. Now, if you take a year and divide it by four, which is about roughly about three months, mm-hmm. so basically you have an empty period between two weeks all the way to three months duration, about twelve week. Mm. So there's that's where we uh, felt there's actually there's an amended need mm. in terms of uh, develop a a better type of delivery system where. Uh, the steroid, the pain management can not only control in the two weeks, but also all the way last to um, three months type of duration. Mm-hmm. So that's where we believe this uh, TLC 599 mm-hmm. uh, is targeting. It's targeting for patient that can manage the pain for three months duration. Mm-hmm. And um, so basically we have taken the drug uh, from from the animal study, uh, going to clinic, uh, started phase one, two, and uh, right now uh, it's entering phase two mm-hmm. uh, study. Uh, basically uh, we'll be targeting for OA patient over three months uh, pain management mm-hmm. uh, uh, duration. Okay, so like yeah. pe- uh, trials with actual people involved in them? Yes. Uh, all right, so all of this, I, I think, just will probably help illustrate uh, that the problems that you're working on, as mm-hmm. you said, mm-hmm. very long research time, mm-hmm. very complicated yeah. problems that have a lot of different moving parts. Right. Uh, and there are, you know, there's just so many variables to think about here and so many uh, creative ideas that go into it that need mm-hmm. to be tested, each one individually. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and and so obviously this is a very challenging industry, which kind of leads me to the next topic that I want to get into. Yeah. Why do this in Taiwan? Um, your company, I, I, I happen to know, has uh, connections to the U.S. Yes. Uh, you, you, I, I believe it's a, a subsidiary uh, yes. that's, that's uh, doing work in the U.S., yeah. Um, so why is Taiwan uh, a good place to do what you're doing? Okay, um, there's two end to it. Um, so our our founder, Dr. Ki Long Hong, um, he was uh, born in Taiwan and educated and worked many years, uh, probably more than now, probably four decades uh, mm-hmm. in the U.S. And uh, for him, is always uh, he always want to give something back to Taiwan, mm. and um, so. Um, Lipasong was one of his, um, you know, passion. Uh, mm-hmm. That's why the company is called Taiwan Lipasong Company. Um, mm. It was something that he wanted to give it back to Taiwan. To, so that's why he started the company mm-hmm. uh, in Taiwan. Um, and um, I think as it start to evolve, um, we do see advantage of uh, working in Taiwan um, as. Um, as we start to see the industry starting to shifting, uh, started all started in the U.S. and then now it's pretty more focused uh, in Asia, and then I think Taiwan being uh, in a very unique position um, that uh, it can really leverage a lot of resource uh, in both in U.S. And looking at the market, not only in the U.S., but also uh, looking into the potential of uh, entering to China mm. as one of the opportunity. Um, so that's, I think, uh, Taiwan, you know, right now is um, going through that phase. And I do see a, a great potential in terms of really leveraging um, both uh, market, which is probably, well, now is probably the 
key number one and number two market mm-hmm. in the world, mm-hmm. and how do you play on that mm-hmm. uh, will will become um, quite important going mm-hmm. forward. Yeah. This may be getting in just a little bit too uh, too far into the weeds for our listeners, but yeah. uh, we'll, we'll 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 see if this doesn't get too complicated. Yeah. I understand that uh, one of the advantages that Taiwan has working with the Chinese market is mm-hmm. that there's actually uh, hospitals in both countries that are uh, certified to give data for kind of regulatory purposes. Right, right, so there's right, like right. F- I think there's four hospitals yeah, in four Taiwan. Uh, and four in China, yeah. where they kind of work together, and they have a lot of the same standards, so it's easier to get uh, a drug uh, past the regulations mm-hmm. uh, in China if you develop it in Taiwan. Right, is is right. that sort of roughly yeah, correct? Yeah, yeah, it is. It is. It is, Keith. I, th- I think that's a uh, that's a great point. Um, so basically, um, I think um, uh, throughout the last, I would say throughout the last decade, I think uh, China is probably the only market that still have a double digit growth, especially mm-hmm. in the healthcare area. And uh, most of uh, uh, most of the market is kind of going flat, or mm-hmm. you know, going at a two to three percent and things like, including Taiwan. Mm-hmm. And um, everybody want to go into China, but it is the regulatory hurdle in China that kind of prevent. A lot of uh, foreign um, company that mm-hmm. uh, going to uh, entering directly into China. Um, so a typical uh, a foreign company, if they want to do, uh, let's say, if they have a phase two type of clinical asset, uh, a product that they want to entering into China, they probably will need to start over. Okay. Uh, oh, really? Non, yeah. Well, one one of the thing is, um, I think one of the thing that I, I want to point out is, um, because uh, from the Chinese uh, regulatory, um, mm-hmm. they're they're more looking into uh, safety of the Chinese population mm-hmm. or Chinese ethnicity and things like that. Um, because it's not how good your drug work is. If this doesn't do well, you know, I'm I I'm literally you know in trouble, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so they are tend to be much more conservative. And um, looking from the previous clinical data, a lot of it probably do it in U.S. or in U.S., where most of the dose strings is really, or the toxicity or the efficacy are really related to uh, Caucasian. Mm. So there's, there's, they believe there might be a different uh, toxicity profile or efficacy profile compared to, you know, Chinese. Mm. And uh, I think that's where I think Taiwan play an interesting role. So we we had a compound. Is, is there any yeah. evidence behind that? Is yes. That, yes. Oh, there is. There, okay. there, there is evidence. So, you know, um, so that's why um, a lot of time, if you have an approved drug, mm-hmm. um, they uh, if you want to enter into Japan, you know, mm-hmm. as well, and Sometimes they, well, again, it really depending on drug to drug. Mm. Certain drug, there are certain mm-hmm. dose strings uh, right. relation, and 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 certain drug, there's uh, might be different toxicity. So it, it is there's uh, different variation. Yeah, mm-hmm. but you know, from the safety perspective, of course, they want to make sure mm-hmm. you know there's no um, difference, yeah. or you know, or they can adjust the difference. Mm. Okay, um, so a lot of time they will need to repeat a lot of these yeah. uh, study over. Um, that's where um, uh, we have a compound that um, started uh, preclinical in the U.S., filed the U.S. FDA IND, did our phase one in both U.S. and Taiwan. Mm-hmm. And uh, with that clinical data, we were able to 
jump directly into China for phase two, mm-hmm. which is um, which is um, I would say extremely abnormal mm. uh, to do that. Uh, previously, they will probably require much more intense type of uh, study mm. um, before uh, you can go into clinical in in China. Now, I think uh, from the agency perspective, I think what they were looking for is because uh, out of the 60 patients that we have, 20 patients actually was coming from Taiwan. And there's enough safety and uh, um, efficacy uh, profile that had been established in Chinese ethnicity. And so that gives the, reassuring. Yeah. Give them the assurance and uh, comfort in terms mm-hmm. of just directly jump into phase two. Mm. So I think uh, using this as an example, I do see um, Taiwan can uh, play advantage of that mm-hmm. for uh, more as um, a hub than mm-hmm. if you want to entering into China. Mm. Yeah. Let's uh let's shift focus a little bit uh to the knowledge base and the talent base mm-hmm. that you find here in Taiwan. Mm-hmm. Now it's kind of interesting cuz you you hear a lot of people that look at the education system here mm-hmm. complain a lot about how there's not enough focus on creativity. Mm-hmm. You know, Taiwanese kids are they're just memorizing, they have no yeah. creativity. Yeah. When I hear some of these ideas that are coming out of the engineering industry, that are coming out of the biotech industry, there was a lot of creativity that went into that. Um, so is, is, is there something else going on? I mean, is, w- w- would you say that there is a fair amount of somehow uh, there is a fair amount of creativity that's being taught to Taiwan's uh, scientists and engineers? Yeah, no, I, I, I think it is getting much better, mm-hmm. you know. And, uh, but I think one of the uh, challenge, it, it is really about market opportunity. Hmm. Um, I think uh, Taiwan is very good in terms of uh, science, technology-wise, in terms of some of these uh, innovation. Mm-hmm. But, you know, if you really think about um, what what is innovation, it actually also re- related to in terms of how much of these can be commercialized. Mm-hmm. So um, sometimes we can be very tacky, mm. but you know, being tacky may not penetrate enough for the market. Mm. And that's where I, I, I believe um, we are lacking talent of. It is really uh, understanding the market need mm. and bringing the technology Merging with a market need. Mm. That's where I, I, I believe we need to strengthen that. I see. Um, there's a lot of good engineers. There's great scientists. Mm-hmm. Um, but a lot of time, not all of the technology, not all of the science will become a product. Mm. But I mean, yeah. I, 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 would you still agree that uh, you know, in choosing which, let's just let's just say which country in Asia, if mm-hmm. you were going to start a biotech company in mm-hmm. Asia, would Taiwan have? It, it, it would be one of the better places, just in terms of the the quality of employees yes. that you could find. Is that yes. right? Yes, yes, and also uh, the retain rate, mm-hmm. because um, I, I think for 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 our industry, it is um, the development time is really long. So mm-hmm. you want to make sure. Um, your talent um, are well retained, and mm-hmm. uh, so the knowledge base can be transferred uh, from one to another um, without any disruption. Mm. Yeah. 
All right, let's uh, let's switch focus again, and now uh, get a little bit political. <laughs> It's time to get political. Sure, uh, sure, sure. We're going sure, off sure, on sure. dangerous ground. Uh, yeah, 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 like yeah. I mentioned earlier, of course, uh, Tsai Ing-wen said that this was an industry that mm-hmm. uh, biotech uh, that she really wanted to focus on supporting. Mm-hmm. It's a a key development area for her administration. Yes. How much is that going to matter for the biotech industry? Um, I think Keith, that's a great question. So I I I. Do believe our uh, administration right now um, try to use um, biotech as one of the example to set the tone for mm-hmm. knowledge-based type of industry. Mm-hmm. Okay, uh, this is probably I would say the most complex uh, industry. Um, it go through from technology, it go through IP, it go through development time, it go through different type of talent, and then eventually, you know. Um, Market opportunity and things like that. Um, if you look at the five industry she had been focusing on, um, a lot of these are also related to more what I consider as more knowledge based type of industry. And um, so, setting a tone in uh, biotech, I, I believe, will help other industry as well because you know same situation is going to happen to the market entry. Same situation going to happen to IP. How do you wrap it around IP? How do you retain talent? Mm-hmm. Um, how do you grow from that, uh, from being a very small market and then really penetrate into a global market? Um, how do you, you know, build an international partnership? Mm-hmm. Um, so I think um, that's why I think um, it's not just uh, focusing on biotech, but using biotech as an industry to set up the framework. Mm-hmm. Um, so it can be implemented uh, in across industry. What, what are the sort of moves uh, that the government could make that you think will matter the most? I think deregulation. Mm-hmm. Deregulation. Um, a lot of um, are. I mean, just looking from the financial perspective, from the talent restrictions, and from the you know uh, globalization. I think you know we talk about globalization, but. A lot of our infrastructure is not there yet. Um, our financial market is quite active, but a lot of them are still really adapt into this manufacturer idea where you put in ten dollar, I put in ten dollar. You know, we're fifty fifty. But um, I put in ten, you didn't put in anything. Sorry, buddy, you only work for me. But what about this? You know, when you're in a knowledge base, it's um, it's really about how much is inside of your brain, how much. Creativity is worse, mm. and that's um, that. That's not being calculated mm. in this formulation, and that's not. I don't think is correct. You know, uh, because if you look at um, going forward, um, if we use U.S. as an example, going forward, you know, look at the Google, Facebook, and then these all about talent. Mm. There's not. Any brick and more and brick there, you mm-hmm. know, or very minimum, you know, mm-hmm. and so so how you think that there should be more rewards for good ideas? Yes, I think so. I think mm-hmm. so. I think so. I, and, and is and, that is that a matter of intellectual property or? It's not only in intellectual property, but also how do you evaluate human capital? Mm-hmm. And um, right now we're still in a very mo- In in the mindset, in terms of manufacturing, mm. you know, because if you really think about what is manufacturing, mm-hmm. it's really you had a good machine, mm. and then you have someone that are listening and then controlling the machine and then produce an amount. You mm. know, as in, the more it produces, you know, the cost go down. That's mm-hmm. it. 
mm. right? So um, there's not that much, you know, uh, calculation of human talent mm. in this equation. It sounds like you're making a similar complaint to what I hear from a lot of people is mm-hmm. that uh, too many Taiwanese companies just focus on reducing the cost yeah. and not enough on improving the product. Yes, it is. It is. But what's is. the government's role in that? Um, I think um, from a couple of uh, perspective is uh, really in terms of um, just, you know, incentive. Mm. Um Traditionally, if you, you know, when I go back to the financial market, you know, there's usually a part value. Mm. So part value is where you put $10, I put $10 with mm-hmm. 50-50. Now they, they change the part value. You can do it less than a dollar or something like that. So which means I can structure a financial incentive for mm-hmm. you, Keith. Let's mm-hmm. say own, you know, 20% of the company mm-hmm. with probably less than a cent, mm-hmm. right? And then where I'm... The investor coming in, I have to pay ten dollar. Mm. But if it's go well, everybody's making a lot of money. So but that, traditionally, mm-hmm. that was not in place. I see. And um, so that a lot allow a lot of very interesting, you know, financial structure, um, which are not regulated. Mm-hmm. Um, I think you know, y- you need to. I, I think uh, what really moved the market. It is really financial. And talent, mm-hmm. and basically technology, mm-hmm. and then of course in drug, you know, including regulation. Mm-hmm. If you have these four ingredients, basically you can move the market. Mm. Let's keep things a little bit political. Yeah. Uh, you know, if we're talking about the Tsai administration, yeah. and if we're talking about uh, China, yeah. uh, you said that that's one of the key markets. Mm-hmm. Would the current state of cross-strait affairs where, uh, you know, we, we, we see a lot of evidence that uh, China is using its market power over things yeah. like the tourism industry to right. kind of pressure Taiwan, yeah. would you see that as a, a potential threat to uh, the, 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 the future of your industry and making use of that market? <laughs> Keith, this is a tough question. <laughs> <laughs> I, told, I told you we were going to get dangerous. Yeah. Um, um, yes and no. I think... Um, if I look at you know I I just came back from China um, mm-hmm. and I I I see it as uh, helping each other out. Mm-hmm. Um, I think um, China definitely. I mean, if you look at uh, what China today um, looking at, just I'm just using IT industry as an example. Um, what it become China today is actually getting a lot of help from Taiwan mm. at a very early stage. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a lot of Taiwanese IT industry building the infrastructure around that and then really help to build China IT industry today. Mm. Now, if we're looking at uh, similar for biotech industry and healthcare industry, similar thing. Um, one interesting thing that I can tell you is uh, if you look at the top 10 drug, top 10 marketing drug, uh, which is a branded drug. It's very different if you compare to Taiwan, U.S., Japan um, versus China. Mm. Okay. And which means um, if you look at the top 10 drug is selling in China right now, it's still um, very um, basic mm. type of drug. Mm. Okay. But if you look at Taiwan, Mm-hmm. And Japan and U.S. Mm-hmm. are these are the most innovative drug. Mm. So, I mean, giving that kind of figure, you you think 
you know, I think China definitely need, um, I, w- I wouldn't say a lot of help, but, you know, definitely need some help to make that kind of transformation. And mm. I, I do see Taiwan can play a role in mm. this perspective, very similar to its IT. Mm-hmm. And um, so I think, you know, um, I think, yeah, of course, now it's a little bit slow because I think um, uh, the China government still try to get a sense of mm-hmm. uh, the current administration, what what their um, their intentions few, are. yeah intentions mm-hmm. or you know at least just test, testing the water a right. little bit and um, but the need is so great they're not going to yeah. let politics get in the way yeah I don't think so because mm-hmm. I, I I do see there's a benefit for both sides mm. uh, you know uh, especially if you really think about China uh, going forward uh, starting from. 2017, uh, basically the aging population will start to peak, will start mm-hmm. to taking off. Mm-hmm. Okay, so healthcare um, will become a key issue, mm. and I think the government realized that. Um, so that's why I think just last year you see a lot of uh, regulatory reform in terms of um, for the healthcare and also for the pharmaceutical. Uh, industry and uh, uh, what is a good drug and what how to approve a drug. Um, a lot of these regulations are being uh, implemented mm. uh, as we speak. Mm. Yeah. All right. I've got one more dangerous political question, and yeah. then and yeah, then yeah, it's, go ahead. Go it's ahead. all softballs after that. <laughs> Uh, so, of course, earlier this year, I mean, before Tsai Ing-wen even took office, before mm-hmm. she had a chance to, you know, make this push uh, in uh, biotech that she was pledging to make, uh, we all learned the name of OBI Pharma that became mm-hmm. a, a household name uh, when one of its drug trials yeah. uh, was very disappointing, didn't right. do as well as uh, expected. Uh, and then later it came out that uh, it's uh, Wang Qihui, the, yeah. uh, you know, the, the head of Academia Sinica at the time. Uh, he was implicated in uh, insider trading scandal mm-hmm. and uh, got bumped out of his post for that. So this has raised a lot of questions about uh, the transparency of the industry, uh, especially as, you know, we see uh, the brother of Tsai Ing-wen. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was a, a, a stakeholder in OBI Pharma as well. Tsai Ing-wen herself has uh, mm-hmm. obvious connections to the industry. She used to, uh, you know, work directly in the industry. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, for for people on the outside looking in, I mean, what should we what should we take away from all of this? Yeah, this is great question and <laughs> probably one of the toughest questions. Uh. <laughs> no, I, I I think um, we have to look at. Um, I, I would say there's a couple of angle looking at this. Uh, one is really in terms of um, how research work is being transformed into development mm. and transformed into commercialization. Um, you know, this actually, you know, Keith, interestingly, it happened in the U.S. as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, this is about many years ago um, where a lot of um, Genentech's original technology was from UCSF. Mm-hmm. So there was certain litigation between in, in terms of how the academia going to a commercial uh, mm-hmm. partner. And um, and that's why, you know, uh, if you now go to UCSF, there's actually a building called Genentech. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, they, they help fund the whole building. Um, and it was because some of it's actually related to these type of litigation. I think Taiwan actually going through that kind of transformation is, you know, as, as I mentioned earlier, it's still at a 
um, open stage, you know, very early stage uh, of the industry, where we still do not know what is a real, um, what's the understanding of technology transfer mm. and how much is worth. Mm-hmm. Okay. And uh, that's why I think it needs to be deregulated in the sense there where is, um, you can start uh, making these more, much more transparent. Because mm-hmm. of certain regulation, it prohibits uh, from, reg- uh, from the R to mm-hmm. go into the D. Mm-hmm. And then if you look at um, today, even in U.S., you know, most of the R is being done in the research center. Mm-hmm. Okay, because there is no way for any commercial in- unit like TLC mm-hmm. to do that kind of R. So what we do only D part. Um, we even have technology that license from institutions mm. um, from the U.S. Mm-hmm. Okay, and then those are quite normal. But if you look at maybe um, twenty years ago, mm-hmm. I don't think those are normal mm. in the U.S. Okay, so that's one angle. I guess yeah. I guess the big concern for a lot of people is, yeah. you know, in in, in Taipei especially, yeah. uh, that's where I'm most familiar. Mm. Uh, it seems like you know, in in the construction, in the mm-hmm. development sector, Ko Wenzhe, the mayor of Taipei, yeah. he's spending all of his political capital capital trying to uh, unwind just decades and decades and decades mm. of you know that connection between the industry and the government. Yes. And uh, you know, you don't get anything done unless you 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 know the right person in government, right. and the government is always you know kind of occasionally colluding with people in industry. And there's just that very uh, tight. And, uh, you know, at times corrupt relationship. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Uh, And so when people see something like this going on with Tsai Ing-wen, you know, off to the side, pretty far away, but with some connection to it, I I think that people get nervous that maybe this industry that we're hoping will get very big and very uh, prosperous uh, may end up having uh, similar issues. Mm -hmm. Uh, Do do you see that as a a real concern? Um, Honestly, I think um, I don't Mm -hmm. because... um, I think if you're looking at, um, I you know, for for me, my training is all about trend, mm-hmm. okay, and uh, I'm I'm looking at the industry and how it's being developed in Taiwan. Um, I see uh, this is definitely a, a strong trend going mm-hmm. upward, and uh, and then of course, I think I mean um, any type of these um, uh, you know uh, concern. Um, it might be small bump in the mm-hmm. way, but in general, I don't think it will affect the industry. I mean, if you look at ten years from now, mm-hmm. you know, I I think they will be like, oh yeah, yeah, something like that happened, you know. Mm-hmm. But you know, I don't think it will affect the industry because mm-hmm. I think the industry is for it's going to be here and it's mm-hmm. going to be here for a long time, and uh, and I, I can definitely see how Taiwan can play advantage in terms of not only on the financial capital market, regulation, talent, and access to market to both U.S. and Taiwan. I, so I, I, I do see a strong trend mm. uh, going forward. And, um, and, and, you know, this is going to run into bump here and there, you know, mm-hmm. but I think in general mm. is uh, in the right direction. Mm. 
I, I, I promised a softball question, so here it is. Uh, I, not- I noticed that you have the, uh, the Apple iWatch. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. As, a, as a biotech professional, I feel like I have to ask you, are you enjoying that? Is that, yeah, is that this, working well you for know, you? I, I got this uh, just last week at Hong Kong, you know? <laughs> <laughs> the Series 2, you know, because I swim quite a bit, and oh, then this okay. is waterproof. Oh, that's then, what so, you need, yeah. Yeah, 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 that's right, that's right. Okay, so there you have it, a, a, a biotech <laughs> professional enjoying his iWatch. All right, that's a strong <laughs> yeah. endorsement. Yes, yes. Well, I want to pick up uh, on the point that you were just making a second ago, just mm-hmm. to kind of round things out and give mm-hmm. our listeners uh, a sense of where this is all going. Mm-hmm. What, what would you say is the, the broader benefits to Taiwan's economy uh, as uh, this industry grows? I mean, obviously, we all want uh, drugs that are, are more effective and more powerful. And obviously, you know, it's going to be good to have more people with uh, high paying jobs. Mm-hmm. Uh, but is there is there a broader benefit to the economy? Yeah, I, 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 I do think that uh, because um, I think if you look at doing healthcare in general uh, or doing drug development in particular, um, in the world, probably, you know, less than 10 countries, mm. you know. And then if you really think about even, even country like um, Russia or China have mm-hmm. not developed new drug mm. and look at their economy. Mm. of scale and things like that. Um, and if you look at the top five, you know, you're looking at U.S., you know, of course, but Switzerland, you know, uh, U.K. and things like that. These are, so it's set certain standard uh, in terms of um, your care, not only um, in Taiwan, but I think your care for the human being in general mm. because um, it is probably one of the toughest industry but if you can really bring out a drug really benefit the human being mm. I think that that will kind of elevate the whole Taiwan society to a different level of thinking different level of looking at the world different perspective and things like that and how the world will look at Taiwan differently you know if we do have a drug that Build by our own and, you know, develop it and then benefit the human being. I think um, so it is not just the number, but I think it is the whole society, the whole human being. I think you definitely want to have that kind of contribution Mm. as a country. All right. Uh, Well, something to look forward to right there. We have been speaking today to George Ye. He is the president of Taiwan Liposome Company. George, thanks so much for coming in today. No, thank you, Keith. Thanks for listening to another podcast edition of Taiwan Talk. Taiwan Talk broadcasts every Monday at 8 a.m. and 6 p.m. on ICRT FM 100. You can find that right after the top of the hour newscast. You can also find an extended podcast version of these interviews, such as the one you just heard, online at the ICRT website, on iTunes, uh, and pretty much anywhere where you might expect to find podcasts. I want to remind our listeners about another show that we put out. Uh, Taiwan This Week is now, well, we've been doing that for a little bit over a year now. Uh, that show is a weekly roundup of the top news stories from around Taiwan. So, you know, if you're not necessarily following the top headlines every single day, uh, we do some of the hard work for you and just sum it all up on Friday. Take some of the pressure off. Or, you know, if you are somebody who really does follow every single day, uh, we still have some pretty heavy-hitting commentators coming in, helping us out. 
Uh, and uh, their insights really, I think, add a lot to uh, what you're going to find in the typical newspaper articles. So look for that every Friday in ICRT uh, at 8.15 p.m. in the evening. Uh, you can find the broadcast there. Or, uh, you know, once again, we have an extended podcast version of that show as well. Uh, you can look for that in all the same places you can find Taiwan Talk. Uh, so once again, that's Taiwan This Week, every Friday on ICRT FM 100. That is it for the show today. For ICRT and Taiwan Talk, I'm Keith Mancone. See you next time.